You're listening to Your Art Friends, Beth Radloff and Andrew Thompson. They're about to have a thoroughly unserious discussion about art. But don't worry, whether you're Da Vinci or the Worst, there's room on this palette for every color. If this is your first time listening to Creatives Brainstorm, be forewarned, because once you start looking at life like an artist, there's no undo button. I'm Beth. And I'm Andrew. And we're your art Art friends. friends. We'll see how this episode goes. I told Andrew before we started recording, I'm I'm a little bit sad. I'm just having one of those sad days because you can't not have that as an adult, you know? It's it's definitely a part of life. I'm mostly fine. I've just been thinking a lot about like existential things, you know, the way that we do. (laughs) Wait, what would make you... Think about existential things when the world is so perfect. It's weird. <laughs> and I'm having having an uh, an okay Friday. It's not particularly good or bad. Because mm-hmm. I, for everybody listening, like I'm in the midst of convention prep because I've got Dragon Con next week, and then I've got three more conventions after that, all within ten or eleven days of each other. Wow. Yeah. Because it goes, I just realized this too today. It goes Dragon Con, then I have 10 days, then Gen Con, and then 11 days, then Origins, a uh, game fair here in Columbus. And then 11 days after that is Aluxcon. Yo. So that's fun. I'm going <laughs> to slowly go insane. I'm really, I'm going to be at Gen Con with Andrew and I'm going to get to see uh to see his salesman pitch firsthand i'll be behind the table in front of the table you're gonna get real annoyed hearing me say the same story for every single piece every time a customer comes up and you're gonna get annoyed at me saying a totally different story for every single piece that's fine if you you want to make up stories by all means go for it (laughs) like i think that's hilarious uh, I've done that before for a friend when I was watching his table for him one time. Mm-hmm. I would just make up stories about the artwork and and even about him. Like I'd be like, "Oh, he spent some time as like a tomato farmer." Oh, <laughs> and just oh, like, no. do they believe you? Sometimes tomato farmer's good. <laughs> it was it was so funny to do, and it's it, it's one of those things where at conventions, especially. The side of me that does things just for my own entertainment, like really comes out, especially when it's like to do with being a little scamp towards my friends. Like, Mm -hmm. like my buddy, Alan, um, his name is Alan Panicle for everybody listening. Definitely check out his work. It's really great. Um, Alan will routinely be at the same events as me. And we usually ask to be next to each other because then if one of us needs like a bathroom break or something, we can be like, Hey, watch my table system. Make sure nobody steals shit. And my favorite thing to do with Alan at a con is to just be like, Alan, Alan from the, that, that little groundhog. Yeah. The go for me. And, and he hates it, but he reacts to it in a way that I'm never going to (laughs) stop. 
He's fun to tease. Oh, absolutely. And then I got like our friend, uh, you you know him, uh, Sean Andrew Murray. Yes. Uh, he yes. also joined in on that at Gen Con a couple of years ago. If you can get everybody yeah. in your little kitty corner of Artist Alley to just go, Ellen, Ellen, down the line. Is he going to be at Gen Con? He'll be at Gen Con, yeah. Uh-oh. I don't know if we'll be next to him, but yeah. Well, do- it doesn't matter because we can just 101 Dalmatian Alan bark. <laughs> yeah. It'll be so great. <laughs> it's so much fun. Gen Con's going to be good. And we're going to actually record in person. I know. It's going to be so cool. a whole kit and caboodle on the plane and everything. But today... We're going to be talking about art trends and gimmicks from when we were children all the way through to now. Oh, we're going to we're going to show our age real good this episode. Yep. And I'm embracing (laughs) it. I'm ready to become just like a cool old lady. I saw an old lady today on TikTok Mm -hmm. who uh, she was like sewing a little beaded rope Mm -hmm. for your weed pipe. And I was like, hell yeah, babe. Hell yeah. That's dope. You're cool. Yeah. Well, it's like we I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording, but like we were talking about, you know, stepping into yourself as you age. Yes. And this has been a topic of discussion for Beth and I for the last, I don't know, a few days, I guess, because I've Uh I sent you that TikTok the other night that was um, this cool illustrator in the UK. She's got like bright yellow hair and wears like tons of patterned things. And she had this little video about like, oh. Life is too short for you to to not let your outsides look like your insides mm. in terms of like your style and the things that you like. Mm-hmm. Because too often we, you know, we keep the things that we do like private to ourselves. It's like, oh, like I, I actually really like bright colored patterned shirts. Yeah. But, oh, I work in corporate business land. And I have to wear my navy blue button-up shirt and my brown shoes and belt. Everything's brown. Yes. Everywhere I look is a sea of navy blue, brown, and black. And beige. And beige. No more beige. No more. Get that out of here. Yeah, I. Uh, before we move on, I started going to therapy for the first time in my life. And the thing that was revealed to me through doing this work that I didn't expect... Um, was that I have spent so much of my life kind of mitigating and managing other people's dynamics because that was sort of my role when I was a kid. I won't get into family stuff, but it was important for me to mm-hmm. make sure that people weren't fighting, right? Yeah. And so as I became an adult, I held on to that. And oftentimes I sacrificed my own wants and desires and interests in lieu of making sure that everybody's having a good time. And so that means deferring to the loudest in the room or um, asking questions and listening to conversations that are happening between two other people. And I'm, I've gotten really good at like asking and being invested in, in the questions that I'm asking and listening. Mm-hmm. But I realized that I've compromised so much on my own contributions, my own like offers of, of vulnerable interaction and attachment mm-hmm. that it's caused me to kind of lose an understanding of my own self. And so I, at 30 years old, am starting to finally realize that there is a wealth of interests within myself and curiosities within myself that I keep pushing down mm-hmm. and keep not, um, not letting myself explore. And it's causing, it's, it's causing sadness in my life. 
in like random other ways. Mm-hmm. So now it's it's my job for myself, and it's really hard to do stuff just for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But it's my job for myself to allow myself to ask for things. And it's it's kind of scary because in a lot of ways, I don't know what I'm interested in. And I mm-hmm. don't know how how I will be. But I went kayaking for the first time in my life. And I uh, lo- I genuinely loved it. Nice. I didn't want to be off of the river. Um, the whole time I was just like taking pictures of birds and telling everybody what these breeds of animals are. Um, we saw wild horses that, on the kayak that's the trip. type of that's the type of outdoor person you are. You're the bird person. Yeah. And I was also like paddling around in the the river that we are on is also a river that people do like lazy tubing down. Mm-hmm. And when folks lazy tube, they tend to drink a lot and then throw their cans into the river. And so I took it upon myself to like challenge myself with the paddle to see if I could navigate into difficult terrain to like get trash. And so the front of my kayak was just (laughs) full of little plastic bottles and beer cans and things. And I'm just like having a great time. This was super fun for me. And God bless them. But my in-laws were just like, oh, leave it to Beth to do that. That's that's such a Beth thing to do. And I was over here like, what? I'm just I'm just Mm. fuck. I'm just trying to. And they don't mean it. Yeah. 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 They don't mean to, to. They're just razzing me. There's they're they're. Uh, <laughs> 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 they, don't, they don't mean to be mean but i think anyone who's a, a creative person has experienced mm-hmm. this where you're othered you're made to feel weird or different because yeah. your perspective might be a little bit unusual because you de- you notice details that other people don't notice i don't know what you're talking and- about as somebody who's never pointed out the font choices of a menu before <laughs> Okay, I guess I'm all alone then, because you won't... Just kidding. I'm trying to be vulnerable, and it's really hard, and I'm shaking. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay, I'm sad. See, I... When when dealing with um, vulnerability and situations like this, I revert Mm -hmm. to the Chandler, which is the... Mm I, I'm not great at the advice or the like helpful, meaningful things. Can I offer you in a sarcastic comment? <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's 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 cool. I'm glad that you like, you know, are trying these new things and, and enjoy them. Because I remember you even talking about crafting a few recordings uh-huh. ago and how much you really enjoyed that. Yeah, this all of that is is me trying to do the work that I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and every time I do every, this is the last thing I'll say about it, but every time I, I get close to or touch that like core of interest, Mm -hmm. I feel like a little baby. I feel like a child being like, look what I could do. And you like it. Do I get approval? Is it okay for me to be myself? And it's, it's weird. Like my whole body, I just like kind of fold into myself when I talk about things I like. What is that? Um, I don't know. It probably has something to do with capitalism and the patriarchy. <laughs> God damn it. Like all things do. <laughs> like all things do. So limited by the society in which we live. Yeah. But you know what? We live in it, so we got to keep working yeah. within its confines, huh? Yep. I I do. I, I definitely relate to that, though, with, um, with the 
increased saturation of my wardrobe. Mm -hmm. Because when I first started getting like kind of delving into, you know, buying clothing and wearing clothing that was more bright and colorful and fun, um, it definitely felt weird going out in public, especially outside of conventions. Because at first I only was wearing those shirts at cons. But now if I'm going to be out and about and I'm kind of doing something fun with like friends, I'll sometimes make it a point to wear those really bright, colorful things because I like them. Yeah. And I, it, it's still, there are certain ones that still make me nervous when I wear them. Uh, just, just because like, you can't help but be aware of like drifting eyes and people watching you. Oh yeah. Or even to go back to like family members, like, you know, I was just talking about how like I plan on dyeing my hair for Dragon Con. But that'll be yeah. after my dad comes to my place to watch Cadence for like almost a week. And so he's going to, you know, say goodbye to me with my normal brown hair. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to return with purple hair. I'm so excited that you're doing it. Yeah, I think it'll be really fun. Like, yeah, I've never, never dyed my hair before. So I think it'll be this might be a slippery slope. I don't know. Next <laughs> comes the neck tattoo. Well. Would you like to play Would You Rather with me? Yes, I would. Always. Take this guy off. So I've grown to know you through these weekly chats. And mm-hmm. thanks to that, I think perhaps this question would be a good one for you. Mm-hmm. Would you rather become an absolute master of a popular gimmick art tool? Like you're the unquestioned best at it and it becomes your legacy. Mm-hmm. Or would you rather be the popular art gimmick tool? <laughs> oh god my brain immediately went to my friend prophet who uh posed the question do i receive pain or pleasure from being the crayon and being sharpened because my brain went to blow pins yep (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say Oh, We're going to talk about blow pens later on in this episode, and I know that Andrew's excited about those. They're so cool. But I will say the to be the blow pen is to suggest more than um, being, let's say, Play-Doh. Yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, let's go with blow pens. Would you want to be like the blow pen guy in the same way that there's the rainbow sponge woman? Mm, I mean... See, there's, I'm torn because given my answer for the crayon question, I feel like yeah. I should say I want to be the blowpin. What was the other option that you had for the crayons? It was, would you rather eat a crayon? Eat crayon. Or be the okay. crayon? Eat crayon, be crayon. Different question than yeah. um, artistic master, yeah. be crayon. Yeah. So I think, I feel like, you know what? I'm going to go with the... The artistic master, purely because the blow pen guy, purely because I was going through TikTok in the last week and a half and I came across an artist. They made all their work by taking six sided dice and turning the dice to different sides and using the the density of the dots for like, you know, six or five or three, whatever. Um and using that basically as pointillism. Uh. And when I saw it and I zoomed out, 
I went, oh, fuck you, because (laughs) because because it was so good that I was like, God damn it, you (laughs) like the ultimate compliment. So, yeah, I want to I want to be like so good at blow pins that someone looks at my work and they go, they're like, oh, what medium is this? And I say blow pins and they go, oh, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of blow pens. We're going to go ahead and put our little nostalgic caps on, go back in time, and rank all those art crafts that we used to see advertised to us on the television from most desirable to least desirable. Yes. And the first one that I have here for you, Andrew, is indeed blow pens. I'm going to put it very desirable for me. Very desirable. Because I, it was, blow pens were the thing that growing up, that the commercial would come on and I always wanted them. Next up, I've got Marvin's magic drawing board, otherwise known as rainbow scratch paper. So this is the stuff that it's a black sheet of paper that you take a a pointy object Mm -hmm. and you scratch scratch against the black and it reveals uh, a rainbow color underneath. So this one, I question whether or not why it's not popular now, because I feel like, in 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 today's world, it would be so much more popular because mm-hmm. um, you could do so many fun things with it. And I think that one, too, I, I, I didn't know it was called Marvin's Magic Drawing Board. One, that name is so boring. Really? Oh, I think it's delightful. It's so boring. Like, what would you call it? I don't know, but not Marvin's Magic Drawing Board. Like, is Andrew's Magic Drawing Board any better? no. I don't want a person's <laughs> name attached to it. I just want it to be this like cool drawing board. Reveal the magic in the darkness board. Beneath the goth exterior, <laughs> there's a rainbow. <laughs> there was a meme that was going around at one point a few years ago that was like these two sisters. And it was like, look at how different they are. And one of them was like super goth with like a nose piercing, like all black, like black hair. And the other one was like dyed rainbow hair. Mm -hmm. And like tie dye shirt. So what I'm hearing is that we take those sisters and we hire them to be a part of the campaign. Oh, absolutely. Rainbow scratch paper to be popular again. Absolutely. Goth sister is the surface. You scratch her, open her up, reveal rainbow (laughs) sister. (laughs) I love how that ad would be so weird, but so funny. I think it would be so effective. I think I would put it, I would put it up high. Is it better than blow pens? No. Okay, so it's under blow pens, uh, but it's still up there. Blow pens is going to be hard to dethrone. Next up, I've got the spirograph. And now the spirograph, I used to see ads for this all the time, and I was fascinated by it. Never had it myself, but it's a, a little plastic box that gives you a bunch of these like compasses and circular kind of gear shaped objects. Yeah. And you put your pencil into a hole in the gear shaped object and you just kind of let the mechanism, you move your hand and you let the mechanism guide your line and it creates perfect like mathematical spirals in a bunch of different orientations. Um, and you can use different colors and stuff. And the final mm-hmm. image that you have is this like perfectly symmetrical, mathy, circular. Uh, it's a man- mandala effect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not the Mandela effect. <laughs> oh, what is what is it called? <laughs> man- a mandala. Yeah, mandala. Yeah, my bad. I suppose it is a mandala <laughs> effect. 
but not the mandala mandala effect not the oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so spirograph versus rainbow scratch paper so spirograph would definitely be down lower because i'm i've never been one to mix math and art ah it's great that the people who do it awesome not my cup of tea Mm-hmm. Also, not something I want to make. Well, then, how about perler beads? Now, perler beads are the little plastic circular beads that you put on a uh, suppose plastic grid that has a bunch of little pokies that come up, mm-hmm. and you can make any pattern with them. A lot of people nowadays, you see them replicating pixel art. So, like yeah. your Mega Man's, your little Zelda's, whatever. Every convention has at least one artist who's selling perler bead, like. Yeah. Minecraft swords or anyway, what you do is you, you set up all these perler beads on your grid and then you take an iron and you iron them. So it melts the plastic and seals them together to create that image. Mm-hmm. Again, I think perler beads would probably be lower on the list above spirograph. Okay. Because I don't think I ever used them or did them, but it was something my sister and her friends had done and i remember them doing it and this is gonna sound real dumb because of course it is and it was the 90s but baby andrew was like oh that's a girly thing because it's got beads uh-huh. and and i if i could go back in time and yell at old andrew and be like no just it's fun do it it's like pointillism but with beads you didn't have the you didn't have the power to resist boy girl branding as a kid none of us did i know we were subjected to the toys that we were only allowed to touch because one was pink or one was blue i remember when i was growing up i always asked for the boy toy mm-hmm. when we went to mcdonald's and got like the mcdonald's happy meal yeah uh unfortunately my parents were like yes no problem mm-hmm. but i definitely had people at mcdonald's be like what <laughs> <laughs> you're but you're a girl now Personally, I have played with perler beads as an adult. They're really fun. I, I like them a lot. We've got a set in our, in our, I like crafting and we got a set in our closet. Okay, here's a question. Do you stick to the instructions that come with it? Absolutely not. Okay, so you you go off, off, off the beaten path and do your own shit. Yes. Okay. See, that's what I think would be fun as an adult is I would be like, hey, I'm going to do a penis or like... <laughs> <laughs> You are a scam. Look at you trying to upset the norms, the normies. Ever ever since you called me a scamp, like multiple recordings ago, I like love that term (laughs) because it's like it's it's harmless. Yeah, but it's got a little bit of a trolling energy to it. Uh huh. And I feel like scamp is the perfect way to describe my like style of teasing i think so not not to go too much back to um ways that i bother alan (laughs) there was one time so he hates he hates venmo like he doesn't like venmo and he was complaining on twitter one day about a friend who he was going to a convention with and he covered the bill for something and his friend was going to pay him back and his friend was like well what's your venmo he was like, God, ah, just cash at me. And his friend Venmoed him and he got like frustrated about it. And he's like, ah, now I have to log into this. And I thought it would be really funny to send him a penny on Venmo. <gasps> <laughs> and 
then five minutes later, I get a text from him and he's like, I will kill you. <laughs> you poked the bear. You poked the bear. Or he was like, he was like, you're dead to me, Thompson. And I was just like, he, 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 he. Oh, no. I also have scamp energy and you're feeding me things about, you're feeding me things about him that I will use. I, I know. I love it. <laughs> Okay, we've got four ranked right now. Currently okay. in the best spot, we have blow pens. Next to that, the rainbow scratch paper, Marvin's magical drawing board. Next to that is perler beads. And in last place, the spirograph. Mm-hmm. I have three more for you. Okay. And sticking with the theme of girl toys, the shrinky dink. The shrinky dink. So shrinky dinks are polystyrene. They're sheets of polystyrene, which is a kind of plastic. Plastic sheets can be colored with felt tip pens, acrylic paint, colored pencils, etc., and cut into shape. However, oily or waxy substances, such as cheap colored pencils, crayons, or oil paint, are not suitable because they will melt or burn in high heat. That's important because you put the shrinky dink in the oven and it shrinks down to a hard acrylic-y plastic charm. Yeah. Is that why charms are so popular now? There is... Like, Shrinky Dinks have come back in a massive way for the Etsy audience. Yeah. I can't Because imagine there are plenty that. of artists who get the sheets wholesale and just do their thing, put yeah. it in the oven, bada bing, bada boom, custom, one of a kind charm. Now, here's my question related to Etsy, the Etsy Shrinky Dink market. Okay, I'll do my best to answer. Is Wouldn't you think that part of the appeal of Shrinky Dinks is turning the light of the oven on and watching it? shrink definitely yes the experience of the shrinky dink versus the yeah. like oh i want a charm that is a shrinky dink depends on the market that you're advertising to crafters such as myself <laughs> yes i'm gonna love watching my little butterfly rings curl up curl down and be a tiny butterfly now yeah but if i can't draw but i want a cute one-of-a-kind butterfly charm for my phone then Sure, watching the plastic go up and down. Oh, here's an idea. Mm. You're a shrinky dink artist. Yes. You draw the butterfly on your piece of plastic. You cut it out, and that's what you mail to the client. <gasps> they put it in the oven. They get the experience of the shrinky bit. Oh, it's like the Papa Murphys of shrinky dink artists. What does that mean? Papa Murphy's Pizza is a Midwest pizza chain that is take and bake. And I thought, being oh. from Michigan, you might have had those. We have Papa John's, but we don't talk about him. That would kind of be what it is. It's just like, here Take you go. Take and bake Shrinky Dink. It sells itself. Yep. TM. So Shrinky Dink, where does this fall on your uh, best to worst list? I would put it above Perler Beads. And definitely above Spirograph. Mm-hmm. Probably under the, the Rainbow Scratch Board, though. The rainbow Scratch Paper. I'm kind of surprised. Personally, rainbow scratch paper doesn't do a lot for me. I So the rainbow scratch paper, part of the reason why I, I like it so much is because mm-hmm. personally, when it comes to art and, and more traditional art methods, I love like painting with palette knives. I love painting with square brushes. I, I don't like round brushes. I like square oh. brushes. And Part of part of the appeal of of the rainbow scratch board is that a lot of the tools that they include are little like squeegees that are little like basically wedges. And I like figuring out how to use 
something that is just a wide, broad wedge shape in different ways to create different marks. That's an interesting um, correlation there because I do like round brushes. I yeah. do not like working with square brushes. Yeah. And I, I'm not a fan of scratch paper. Yeah. You know what else I'm not a fan of? What? The Bedazzler. <laughs> Even the Wikipedia article Bedazzler doesn't really like the Bedazzler very much. Who does? According to Wikipedia, a commentator on Entertainment Weekly described the Bedazzler as the cheap-ass rhinestone studding tool favored by art teachers and overexcitable soccer moms everywhere. The biggest piece of crap sold on late-night TV since the Thighmaster, the reason women <laughs> own shirts with glittery kitty cats on them. Holy shit. <laughs> Wikipedia. That's that's a great somebody somebody was very salty about bedazzlers and they they logged in and they changed that shit. Did they step on one of the rhinestones on the ground and they were like, "Ow, my foot. Fuck bedazzlers." My theory is that it's somebody who dated somebody who bedazzled all their clothing oh. and then there was a bad breakup and that's kind of now they forever associate bedazzlers to that relationship. I want to know the truth behind these commenters. I don't think I know anybody who's like left a review on Amazon. Yeah, I can't say I ever have. It's it's too much. Why am I going to do work for free? Yeah, no. I've, I'm busy. I keep my opinions to myself. My, I have a hard time being vulnerable about the things that I like and dislike. So I'm not going to write a review. <laughs> <laughs> Is that being vulnerable? I guess so. <laughs> In a silly way, I suppose it is. Yeah. But yeah, I think the Bedazzler is pretty self-explanatory. It's a little machine that you can uh, punch rhinestones into fabric with. Yeah. If, if, if you want to instantly lower the value of a piece of clothing <laughs> that you just bought, then the Bedazzler is for you. <laughs> I think you could make a Bedazzler work. It can't be rhinestones. What if you make a, a bedazzler that has like tiny, tiny, cute patches? Ooh, maybe it's something where it has like an AR feature where you could like scan it with your phone and do something cool. It's going to have to do a lot of work. The something cool is going to have to be really, really yeah. something else. Like each one of these is yeah. a little monster egg and it op- this is my brain. Each one of these little bedazzles <laughs> is an alien monster egg and it opens up and then like spiders and shit crawl out of it all over your clothes. Why is that the first oh thing that comes God. to my mind? You just you just shot a rocket into space with that one after I was like, well, what if it was like a AR like virtual thing? And you're just like, I want it to have alien spiders. I think I just like the, the contrast between uh, a cutie patootie limited to girl who's bedazzled her jean jacket. And now I get to hold my mm-hmm. phone up to the back of her and see spiders just crawling all over her body. I, it gives me a giggle. That is fun. So Bedazzler, where's this thing fall? Uh, below Spirograph for me. Oh, last place, Bedazzler. Sucks to be yep. you. Now, the last and certainly not the worst. What is that saying? <laughs> the la- last but not the... Not least. Last but thank you, last but not least. The Rainbow Sponge. <gasps> what is that? There's a couple different versions of the Rainbow Sponge. The one that a bunch of people are familiar with, they're basically watercolor cakes. And you take a wet... Mm-hmm sponge that looks like a squeegee and you rub them on the cakes and the sponge gets from uh, one side to the other like red yellow orange green blue purple in a in a line on the sponge and so then you can drag the sponge across your paper and you make a rainbow mark Mm -hmm. 
I specifically put the rainbow sponge in here because of the infomercial, the infamous <laughs> infomercial that has uh, the best old babe I've ever done seen celebrating the rainbow sponge. Is that who you want to be? That's who I want to be. I think that she is living her authentic truth. She is interested in what she's interested in and she does not feel shame about it. Oh, absolutely not. I respect her and I would like for you and I both to perhaps enjoy enjoy the the noises that she makes whilst using the rainbow sponge and making her wiggles. You asked for it. A whole video devoted to the rainbow sponge. I want you to look at all of those wiggles. <laughs> oh my gosh, wiggles. Oh my gosh. I love to wiggle the whole thing. <gasps> okay. Calm down, D. You know the rainbow sponge lady. She's the older woman who's sitting in this kind of purplish room, but all of the walls around her are different examples of rainbow sponge mark making, just streaks and squiggles and plaids. It's really basic stuff, but also her joy about what she's doing makes me want this. I want to play with her. So she goes, oh, I love a good sponge that's absolutely pure. And then the following (laughs) clip is her talking about an edge of the sponge that has no paint on it. And she goes, oh, a virgin edge. (laughs) It's so great. Dare, dare I say she has me energy? She does. Oh, she absolutely does. The rainbow sponge, Andrew. Now, she can't come home with you and do it with you. So it is just the rainbow sponge. I think I would put rainbow sponge either tied with rainbow scratch paper or slightly below. I think a lot of the reason why I like the rainbow sponge is because of this video. Right. And that's why I say you can't take her home with you. So this is the final Rundown. Yeah. From worst to best, we got Bedazzler, the Spirograph, the Perler Beads, the Shrinky Dink, the Rainbow Sponge, the Rainbow Scratch Paper, and finally, in first place, as we all knew and predicted, the Blow Pen, Andrew's number one medium that he will be known for on his deathbed. Yep. Now, now, what are your favorites? My favorites. Because this is a two-way street, so you got to be able to share yours as well. That's... That's nice. Oh, I got to think about this now. I got (laughs) to open up my whole heart and be honest with myself. All right. Be vulnerable with us, Beth. Okay. My list from worst to best is the bedazzler in worst place. Woo. Next up in a grand upset, the rainbow scratch paper. Mm. Then I have the spirograph, the rainbow sponge in dead center, and then Mm -hmm. perler beads. Blow pens in second place and the shrinky dink in first place. Nice. Yeah. So you really loved the shrinky dinks. Yeah, the perler beads, blow pens, and shrinky dink, they they light my candle. So Beth, we we've been talking all about these artistic tools from yesteryear. Mm-hmm. And that had me thinking about you know we've brought this topic up before but it had me thinking about when when i was a starving artist what and some of the things i felt 
you're, when no, I was you're not. You're not going to get me this time. I don't believe it. I don't believe that you were ever a starving artist, Andrew. I don't think that you can relate to the general populace. Well, I was. It was. It was so long ago. It was. It was just yesterday. I fucking knew it. Okay. So, what kind of a strife did you go through? So, I was working really hard to prepare for conventions, and I was, you know, uh, packing everything up, and and I felt a rumbly in my tummy. There it is. And I decided to, I, 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 you know, I, I was so busy that I needed something quick, and I couldn't, I didn't have time to make it myself, but I wanted something nutritional. And I happened upon a place here in Columbus called Lulu Bowls. Is this an ad? It's a Hawaiian inspired uh, restaurant. And they, you know, it's rice and chicken and stuff or different types of meat. They also have some like impossible meats. But it's so good. It was so, so good. I kind of feel like you're rubbing it. You're rubbing it in my face at this point. What am I rubbing in your face? You're privilege to go to a restaurant inspired by Hawaiian cuisine and spend your exorbitant amount of money on on delivery. Exactly. (laughs) You you ordered on Grubhub. You paid the driver fee for them to deliver a bowl of Hawaiian food to your door while you prepared to go to a convention. Yeah, because I was a starving artist. That's not it. That's not a starving artist. You're not a star. You were a hungry artist. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is starving if not a synonym for hungry? You're not wrong. <laughs> he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. He'll never get it. I don't have faith. Get what? Get what? Indeed. She wrestles with it in her own head. Should she try to explain to him that starving artist? It's. It's a. Oh my God! How do I explain starving artist? It's when you're real hungry and you're an artist. It's not. You're convincing me that it's not what I think it is. I'm being gaslit, and he doesn't even know he's doing it. Holy shit! What's a what's a what's a hungry artist? No. <laughs> what's a starving art? It's when. It's the thing where your parents are going to be like, you won't make any money being an artist. To be an artist as a career is to promise yourself that you will always be not making enough money to even feed yourself. That's what a starving artist is. But I do. The absolute gall. Was your chicken and rice good? Yeah, it was real good. Specifically, I got the Hawaiian hot chicken bowl. Oh, it was hot, delivered hot and fresh to your door? Nah, spicy. Spicy. I'm getting that word wrong now, too. But yeah, if you live in Columbus and you're a starving artist, just call up (laughs) Lulu Bowls. (laughs) (laughs) When talking about trends, we can't not talk about current internet art trends. Mm -hmm. To do so, I'm going to talk a little bit about Something that happened to me earlier this year uh, via TikTok. And that is uh, a TikTok that I created kind of became a trend amongst artists. Yeah. You had a kiss with virality. Yeah. I made this video and it was all inspired by this, um, this creator on TikTok. And they were reading a tweet that said, artists be like, 
as soon as I learn how to draw hands, it's over for you bitches. Mm-hmm. And for everybody listening, I have an illustration that has 19 hands. Yeah. If Beth's hand is in there, I got my hands in there, and there's, you know, 16 other people's hands in there. But I made this audio, and I also added something to it, and uh, we're going to play the audio. Artists be like, once I can draw hands, it's over for you bitches. <laughs> I made it because I thought it was goofy and silly and it kind of blew up and I went from around that time like maybe 6,000 some followers on TikTok and it blew up and I ended up hitting like 15k Wow. And then I realized that a lot of people were finding me because other artists were using that audio to then make their own videos. And that was when I realized that part of TikTok and part of the success of some creators actually comes from people using your audio. Mm -hmm. Because then if somebody else comes across that audio and they like it, they can click on it and then they can see who the creator was at the top. And Last time Beth and I talked about doing this episode, I mentioned how, you know, a few hundred other artists were using my audio for videos. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's like 700 people. And then I pulled it up like two weeks ago and it said 1,200 and like 50. Shoot, and so I did not I did not know it had gotten that high. <laughs> and then in the two weeks since we planned on doing this topic, it's now up to 1,400 videos. That's awesome. That's awesome. How does that make you feel? It's cool. Like I, it's one of those things where it's like, it's really cool that a bunch of other artists related to it Mm -hmm. and kind of latched onto it and used it. And in the videos that I have watched, a lot of them are, you can tell that they're having fun while they're doing it because they, they also, you know, relate to the joke. Mm hmm. And I think that's a really cool thing to be able to be a part of. Um, the coolest, my favorite part about this whole thing with, with that video uh, happened right when I first like put it out there. It was within the first week, I think. Um, this little kid, probably like 10, made a video with that audio. And he's this little kid who, you know, he's real into art. He he had a bunch of uh, anime drawings and stuff on his page. Yeah. Um, and I thought it would be cool to comment on his video. And so I was like, oh, yeah, like, keep it up, dude. Like, you'll you'll be a working artist like in no time. And he responded with a video because since you can do that to comments on, on TikTok. And he was like, he's like, oh, my God. Oh my god, he he commented on my thing. Oh, oh my god. And it was so wholesome and it was so sweet because like I'm not a big name artist at all. And this kid just thought it was like the coolest thing that I commented on his 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 TikTok and his video and I liked it and and everything. That's so and it was cool. just so, so sweet. Special. It's so cool. That's the reward for being a trendsetter right there. And since then, nothing else related to that video has been as meaningful uh-huh. to me as that. Um, it, because it kind of reminds me of growing up when I was like in, you know, middle school and high school and going to Gen Con in the summer in Indiana. 
and I would go around and talk to the artists there. And I always thought it was so cool when an artist would like take their time to, you know, look through my sketchbook or just talk to me about art. Yeah. And I guess it kind of feels like similar, but in the digital age. Yeah. It doesn't cost a whole lot for, for somebody who is a working artist, who is a professional to give just a little bit of time to like a kid who's, who's really inspired and really wants to do art and likes your work. Because if you can give them just a little bit of time, like I remember for me, it meant so much when these artists would give me that, that time of day. You know, they talk about how, um, like a C, what is it? A, a one bad comment can ruin a bunch, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can have a sea of good comments and then one black one just poisons the well. Yeah. But what's interesting, I think, about sharing your artwork online, well, that is true. It's, it's a vulnerable and difficult thing. And if somebody criticizes you, it can hurt when a pro artist gives you that recognition it's the opposite Mm -hmm. you can have a sea of like a sea of negative comments but if one person that you look Mm -hmm. up to says hey you're on the right track what you're doing here is good it clears that for me it's it's magic that interaction yeah it's like when you drop a bit of soap into like dirty water and it all of a sudden it's like (laughs) you're the soap guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I leave a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> but your water's super clean. Yeah. What's that metaphor? We don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, because there's a specific artist that um, I met at Gen Con named Vinod Rams, who I had a really great interaction with when I yeah. was younger. And I I remember it. I waited till, you know, the end of the weekend at Gen Con and I decided I got, you know, this, this blank play mat, this basically giant mouse pad. And I was like, oh, I want him to draw this dragon on it because he had this really cool dragon. And I went to his booth and it was Sunday and I was like, hey, I was like, do you think I could get you to draw that dragon on this, this mat? And he goes, oh, like, I I'm all booked with commissions right now mm-hmm. and I, I can't take any more. And I was like, that that's okay. I was like, is it okay if I buy the print and can I, is it okay if I draw it myself on there? And he was like, Oh yeah, that's fine. And I bought the print and I hightailed it back to the main gaming hall where mm-hmm. there were just tables everywhere. Down and I, I pulled out my Sharpies and I went to work and I sat there for like three hours. Whoa. Yeah. And I I basically copied his dragon from the print onto the playmat. And I was really happy with it, really proud with it. And the con was still going. There was like maybe another hour left of the show. And I like rushed back to Artist Alley because I was like, oh, I, I maybe I can get him to sign it. Yeah. And I took it back and I will never forget this. I took it back to him and I like pulled it out of my bag and showed him. And he was like, Oh my God, that is so good. He was like, this is so cool. He's like, he's like, do you mind if I take a picture of this? And I was like, yeah. And then he, I was like, can can you sign it? He goes, Oh yeah, absolutely. He's like, this is awesome. Like, thank you. And it meant so much to me that fast forward to 2017. Yeah. I did Gen Con 
and I got into the artist alley. And for anybody listening, Gen Con's artist alley is a, uh, you submit your work and they do it based on a jury. If you get in, it's a very cool thing. Testament to your skill. Yeah. And not, not to toot my own horn, but I got in for the first time in 2017. And for me, that meant a lot because I grew up going to the show. But then when I was there and tabling, Vinod Rams was there. Oh. And, and, and I went up and I was like, hey, like, how's it going? And he kind of like vaguely remembered me. But then um, on Friday night when they did the awards for the art show. Yeah. Uh, we were, you know, in this bar and we were all kind of like mingling and hang- hanging out. And I decided to go up to him and I was like, hey, I was like, I'm not sure if you remember, but like when I was younger, at, like in middle school or high school, I came to your booth at Gen Con and I drew your dragon on a play mat. And he goes, oh, yeah. He's like, I totally remember you. He's like, that was so like, that's crazy. Now you're here. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I just wanted to thank you because you really pushed me into being an illustrator. I loved your work and I followed it from like that point on. Oh, I started to like, my voice was like wobbling as I was like telling him. And I was like, so like, thank you. I really wanted to let you know that like you had a huge impact on, on me becoming an artist. And it's really cool now that I'm, you know, here. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) I'm crying. We're talking about blow pens. What's happening? <laughs> that's a that's that's so important. That's yeah. so special. And and ever since then, and and since doing cons, if like a little kid comes up to my booth and they're interested in art, or they yeah. see them have a sketchbook, like it's it's not that I want to be that person for them. It's that like I feel like I had that I was lucky enough to have that experience. So yeah. if I can maybe provide that for them. Even just like 10% of it. Yeah. I'm gonna give them that time to like, I'm gonna look at their portfolio. I'm gonna look at their sketchbook. I'm gonna, you know, maybe give them something for free, like hand them a little enamel pin. Yeah. You'll never know the ripple effects that you have. You'll never know the positive impacts that you'll have on the people around you. And making this podcast and making online content and the people who watch our our stuff and listen to our show, we don't we don't know you in person. But I at least in in my experience on the internet, I have had people come back and be like you're the reason why I don't want to say this cuz I don't want to toot my own horn in this like way, but um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I understand because, you know, it's not something you set out to do. No. But then it comes back to you in ways that you don't expect. And yeah. often it'll come back in a DM where someone's like, hey, I tried this thing because I saw you try it. And now I love mm-hmm. it. And I've I've decided to go to school for it. Um, mm-hmm. Or I haven't drawn in years. And this this thing that you did on Twitch inspired me to pick up a pencil again. Um, yeah. And there are beyond the people who have have the kindness to actually reach out and say that that this happened. Mm-hmm. I know that there are other people who do it just on their own because that's somebody that's the kind of person I am. Like I am impacted hugely by other content creators, but I don't tell them that. Um, mm-hmm. It's just private. It's just my own thing because I can't be vulnerable with other people. But um, so I know that there are plenty of people who who have been hopefully positively impacted by the things that I have done, the things that you have done. 
And I think that is just a gorgeous part of living a life on this planet. Yeah. It kind of, it also like perfectly ties into the hands piece because it's the whole point of that piece is, you know, at any given time, we're either inspiring others or being inspired by others and kind of sharing that energy. Yeah. Ah. Right? Yeah. Gosh, it's when you think about art trends and you think Mm -hmm. about hashtags and you think about gimmicks, um, all of them come with that soap taste in your mouth. All of them come with like a little bit of a negative connotation. Yeah. But when you really peel back the layers of what that looks like, what you get are people connecting with each other. It's humans Mm -hmm. reaching out with their creative hands to embrace one another and to help one another. Mm -hmm. Like every hashtag that I see on Twitter where people are celebrating um, their unique perspectives, be it racial, gender, where you live, the unification that I see across artists from all over the planet in May because everyone's participating in Mermay and everyone's drawing mermaids and celebrating each other's mermaids. Drawtober, Inktober even. Yeah, There are all of these opportunities to know each other. And you can be cynical about these things. And there is reason to discuss things cynically as well, because this this whole uh, the whole framework of these social media apps is for profit. And it drives the way that we operate and the kind of art that we make, Mm -hmm. especially the last episode. We were talking about our idealistic world and the idea that making art not for money was like something that broke my head. That was such a fun fun one to record. <laughs> well, I'm I'm still thinking about that. I'm still holding that and that impact that it had. I ordered those Switch Joy-Cons. You did? <laughs> oh, good. Did. <laughs> I ordered them like oh, almost immediately afterwards. <laughs> oh, living your truth. What I wanted to conclude with is that despite these systems being set up for profit, we still manage to find ways to connect with each other and to impact each other's lives in such beautiful ways. And those are the mm-hmm. ways that I want to celebrate and talk about the most about. Yeah. Through hashtags. What? Yeah. Cool. Hi, I'm Beth. And you know that. But what you might not know is that I'm a Denik Notebook ambassador. So why? Well, back in 2018, my tax man told me I needed a planner, so I just went into an office depot and grabbed a cute one. It was made by a company called Denik, and that started one of the most long-term relationships of my life because I liked that planner so much, I went ahead and bought five of their Stay Flat notebooks. I signed up for their ambassador program because I was already telling people to buy them. No one asked me to make this ad. I had to look up what they're called, but I just love the classic lay-flat notebooks. They have a Smithsown binding so their spines look tidy on a shelf, they're the perfect A5 size, and most importantly, they do indeed lay flat on your desk, regardless of what page you're turned to. I've never had to fight these to get them to stop creeping closed while I'm writing. And Denik works with and pays a wide range of artists to create illustrations for their velvety soft covers. So... If you're in need of a notebook, planner, or even sketchbooks, head over to denik.com, that's D-E-N-I-K.com, and enter code BRAD, B-E-R-A-D, at checkout for 15% off your order. That's denik.com, find your favorite thing there, and then enter code BRAD at checkout for 15% off your order. Thanks, 
back to the show. Hey, Beth. Yes, Andrew? Can we play a color game? A color game? Yes. So, since we've been on the topic of, you know, art trends and and gimmicky art supplies from the 90s, I thought it would be fun to take that as a theme and apply it to this week's Color Corner. So, I looked into... Color forecasting. Color forecasting. For everybody listening, that's basically uh, my experience with it came when I worked at Reebok because we had a color team on staff who it was their job to follow trends and know what colors were popular or what colors would likely be popular in a year and a half, two years from when we were designing a product. Even as an artist... It's wild to me that we have people who are figuring out that science. Yeah, it's so cool. And it so it actually started, it goes all the way back to the 1800s when French textile mills created fold-out books with swatch color cards. Mm. These cards became an essential tool for the textile industry and later became a popular method in North America. Um, the, the color trends came from Parisian couture houses, which set the standards for trends every season. And then everyone would flock to Paris for, you know, fashion week or whatever was going on back then. I don't know if it was fashion week. It's fashion fortnight. Yeah. Uh, but it came to a screeching halt during the First World War. And that actually led to Americans making their own association called the Textile Color Card Association. And the really cool thing about color forecasting is it often is influenced by societal factors. And uh, this ends up spawning like color palettes, basically for different eras of history. And it's really cool when you start to get into it. For instance, in the 1940s, a lot of the colors tended to be uh, muted army colors or like yeah, browns and tans and like navy blues. And a lot of that was to create this sense of solidarity amongst the workers and then also um, soldiers. Dare I say nationalism? Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to play a game where I'm going to show you a color palette and you're going to guess the decade that it goes with. OK. And I'll give you the range of decades. Like it's just going to be from 1960 to current day. OK. Although I will say this, we are not far enough into the 2020s for there to be an established <laughs> color palette for the 2020s. Yeah, whatever the tech bros decide is what's going to be the established color palette. Oh, God. We it's are living be, in the tech bros. It's era. just going to be chrome, isn't it? Uh, I think the 2000s are chrome. 2000s give me okay. light blue, blue, chrome, silver, sharper image. Here is color palette number one. And again, this goes from 1960s to the 2010s. The 1960s to the 2010. All right. I'm looking at six colors here. Yep. Uh, and they, are, they have names. 
Yes, I did change some of them because some of the names that it was based on this article that's in the show notes, they had some very telling words that were super obvious what decade it was from. Gotcha. So I had to change some of them. So we've got the color brick, the color basic purple, Mm -hmm. blue man group blue, ocean blue, Dijon, which is a, what would I call this? Like a desaturated... It's yellow. kind of like a yellow ochre. It's like a muted, yeah, a muted yellow, a yellow ochre. And then mauve. Interesting. It's not, I don't think it's 60s. I don't think it's 70s. I don't think it's 80s. It's a very muted palette to me. The brick, it's not quite red. It's a, yeah. it's a little, it's kind of quiet. The richest color here is the Blue Man Group Blue. My gut is telling me 90s. You are correct. <gasps> cool. It is the 90s. Yeah, I did um, that because it it's a range of colors, but they're desaturated. They're a little grungy. Yeah. And the telling uh, names of the colors for brick used to be Oprah's couch. The purple was tracksuit. Blue was dabadee dabadai. And the Dijon was dope Dijon, like Simpsons, like dope. Oh, so I changed some of the names because they gave it away. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Cool. All right. One for one. Woo. Next one. Ooh, this is this is cheerier. All right. Now I'm looking. These these colors are saturated in order. We've got prom suit, which is kind of like a Easter egg blue. It's a bright, cheery sky blue. Violet is next. Obviously, a, a vibrant purple pumpkin, which is a vibrant orange color. Mm-hmm. Fern, which is a really lovely green. It really is a nice green. Yeah, like a That'd grass. be a nice like wall color. Yeah. A pleasant, think of a pleasant green. Very springtime. This is a very springtime palette. Mm-hmm. Next one is Neon Dreams, um, which is kind of a a bubblegum pink. Mm-hmm. And then have a nice day, which is a yellow. Straight up and down yellow. Okay, so this is fresh. This is bright. And we got the 90s out of the picture. Got the 90s out of the picture. It's not 90s. I don't think it's going to be 2000s. It's it's not mask. I think the 2000s is going to be very masculine colors. Um, What did the 2010s look like? 2010s were like my awkward years. I'm looking at 60s, 70s, 80s. It's not vibey enough for the 80s. So 60s and 70s. Let's go 60s. No. No. Ooh, I missed it. Is, Is it 70s? Yeah. It is the 70s. Okay, I narrowed it down. Yeah. But I did not get that point. Here's number three. We're going even more vibrant now. Okay, this one looks very similar to the 70s palette. So I'm looking at fuchsia, which is a a vibrant purple. Halloween orange, same kind of orange that pumpkin was, just a little bit more yellow. Uh, Yellow mustard, every one of these has the same yellow. With a little bit different of a saturation to it. Yeah. It's just a little bit more like white added to it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Next is lime. Ugh, That's the worst green. It's like a Kelly green. I hate that green. (laughs) Yes, we cyan is the blue color. (laughs) That one I left alone. That's good. That's good. And then xenon ruby, which, how would we describe this? It's like a. It's kind of like a berry. I think yeah, like it's it looks like a tasty color. 
It's a lipstick color, a berry lipstick yeah. color. Because this is so similar to the 1970s, I think it's going to be tangentially. Well, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot, you cannot cut that sound. <laughs> oh, that's so good. All right, I made that sound because there's the 30 year itch. And so if these colors are similar to the 1970s, 30 mm-hmm. years from the 1970s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, that could be a 2000s palette, which is an homage back to the 1970s because we love 30 years in between our, our fucking eras. I'm split between the 1960s and the 2000s. I'm going to go with 2000s. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Oh, it worked. Oh, oh I'm so excited. Right. Good job. Yay. And and for everybody listening, we will put these on Twitter. So this one's 20. Oh, 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 there's this. Is, <laughs> oh, hey. All right. Now here's another set of six. True blue. Yeah. It's just blue. Purple rain is like a light purple. Turquoise is turquoise. Miami is exactly what you think it is. It's, hot, <laughs> it's pink. Uh, highlighter yellow is highlighter yellow. Coke red. This is the 80s. You are correct. Yes. Good job. I'm doing it, Andrew. I'm doing it. So good. Th- yeah, this has like the the neon, uh, the music plays, Miami the, Vice. Yeah, the 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 saturation is so high that the white letters almost get lost in it. It's hard to read them. Yep. I was kind of expecting one of these to be like a deep, deep purple or a deep blue for 80s. Yeah. But we're we're keeping cheery. Oh, this one's ugly. <laughs> This one's ugly. I don't like this era, whatever, whatever. Color. <laughs> if I had gotten this one earlier, I would have called this one the 90s. Um, <laughs> so we have pink. What, what would we call? This is like a fleshy. It's kind of like a salmon. Salmon dower. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, the, like a the grandma's cr- doily pink. Yeah. It's that calming pink color. Yeah. We've got a polished copper, which sounds like it would be prettier than it actually is. It's just like a, a middling brown. Yeah. Over here is quartz. It's just a light blue. Very, very, very light blue. Gray, even. Yeah, it's like a, it's a cool gray. Yeah. Electric pink. Succulent, which is another kind of grassy green color. Kelly-ish. Not as bad as lime. Not as bad as lime. Still not great. And then straight up cobalt blue. I do not like this color palette. What do we have left? We have the 2010s. We have the six, the 60s and the 2010s are the only ones left, right? Yeah. I expect the 60s to have way more orange in it. So I'm going to assign this to the 2010s. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Yes. You are right. 2010s is ugly, dude. Yeah, I knew, it's not I knew great. the 2010s was going to be like masculine and dour, like mm-hmm. final destination. Yeah. There's the 60s. Yes. Yeah, it is. Also, I, wanna, I need to correct my final destination statement. Those movies came out in the 2000s, not the 2010s. <laughs> um, yeah, this one, it's, it's autumnal. It's gorgeous. These are the colors yeah. I want to wear. Burnt sienna, harvest gold, avocado. <laughs> avocado. <laughs> Teak, which, what would we call this one? This is like a cop, like a dirty penny. Yeah. <laughs> the color natural. <laughs> just a warm light gray yeah uh and then blue mustang which is a, yeah. a, nice, a nice blue it really is a nice blue this is a great palette 60s yep. have it figured out 
fun game, Andrew. This was fun. And I'm Yay. really proud of myself to uh, be able to recognize the heiress. Yeah. Based Only on got colors. one wrong. Yeah, I mixed up the 60s and the 70s. But I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Yet again, from the vast expanse of the open and free internet, a complete thought has appeared before one or both of us. An idea so delightful and surprising in its execution that it inspires feelings of envy. We now take that envy and channel it as if airbending into content. For you, we will share that which sparks our jealousy and proclaim loudly to whomever will listen. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Kudos on that uh, intro that you wrote. Oh, thank you. It's very nice. Thank you very much. So what is your why didn't I think of that? My why didn't I think of that? I just saw it today because I saw it as a TikTok. And then I realized like, wait, that sounds like Dimitri Martin. That's not the mm-hmm. person who's making the TikTok. And then I looked and found the original source of it, which is Dimitri Martin. And this guy on TikTok just fucking copied his joke verbatim wow. just co- just took his au- took dimitri martin's audio from his show yeah. and then drew the pictures that dimitri martin had already drawn and just it was just a copy joke and it didn't add anything or ch- so shame on you guy on tiktok however thank you for leading me to this delightful little sketch from a dimitri martin television show the bit is just add a line so this video is Dimitri Martin drawing a couple simple drawings and then adding one line to change the content of the drawing. So the first one is a picture of a horse. He draws a line bisecting the horse. And now he says this has become a picture of two men dressed as a horse. Um, the second one, he's got a picture of a snail. He draws a line down the bottom and now it's a lollipop instead of a snail. So, so it's just the concept of it is to add a line to recontextualize the drawing. And it's so mm-hmm. simply... And elegantly done. And I love it. What is interesting about it, it is something that only really works in a sequential medium, be it video or maybe even comics. And part of me is like, is that, am I allowed to be, (laughs) listen to me, I'll say it. Am I allowed to be inspired by this thing because it doesn't stand on its own as a piece of art that can be like sold as a print? But yes, I can. But yes, I can. You can be inspired by anything, Beth. I'm tickled by it. I will say, though, on the YouTube video that is Dimitri Martin and not the TikTok guy who just completely ripped off his joke, there's 10 comments and all of them are like, this is bad. That's no, it's not bad. It's You're not just... bad. It's making me feel like I'm old now if I think this is amusing. Those people just don't like joy and they like no. to police other people's joy. And they are what I would refer to as fun suckers because they suck the fun out of everything. Osama Bin Diesel on YouTube who commented his humor did not age well at all. Or I probably thought it was funny when I was 13 year old and grew out of it. What? It's it's a lollipop. Yeah. Snail. What? Didn't age well. That's not what that means, guy. It's you didn't age well, you, sir. You just don't think it's funny anymore. That's okay. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I do think it's funny. That's another yeah. thing uh, that it's, peek behind the curtain. I watched like a very important and good um, YouTube think piece about Bo Burnham 
and Jeff Bezos, the Jeff Bezos song in the Bo Burnham special Inside. Yeah. And I won't belabor you with all of the things I'm thinking about as a result of this CJ the X video on YouTube, although I do recommend that you go check it out if you like two and a half hour long think pieces. Um, but in it, he talks about how edgy comedy is an interesting insight into the human because you can't choose what you laugh at. Yeah, you, you can't exhibit control over things that your body immediately finds funny because when a person laughs, a genuine and true laugh, it's involuntary. And so yeah. insult comedy or dark comedy, well, let's say dark comedy. If dark comedy works for you, it can be really uncomfortable because it, it, it might not be something that you yourself believe in or are comfortable with, but you did yeah. laugh at it, which is revealing on some human and interesting level. And that's not what he's doing here. <laughs> that's not what Dimitri Martin is doing here. No. That said, what we laugh at is... It's just it's it's fascinating and human. Mm-hmm. When I'm sad, I get philosophical. I think when I'm sad, I watch How to Train Your Dragon and uh, listen to Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> My why didn't I think of that? It's not nearly as good, but it is something that I'm ashamed that it took me as long as it did to do. Um, and that is this: when you are working on a large project. Like the one that I've been working on for almost five months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one would think it would be wise to create a color palette in Photoshop, Procreate, Clip Studio, so that you don't have to constantly refer back to earlier sketches, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty standard fare, that. Well, I just made a color palette. Oh, man. <laughs> five months? Yep. <laughs> It's okay. You didn't really need a color palette until now. Yeah. Your system was working for you fine. It it was working fine doing the color sketches, but when it came to finalizing things, I finished like four before I made a color palette. Well, now no one will know. No one will know but me and you. So we've talked about art trends from our past. Mm -hmm. We've talked about art trends that we personally have had a hand in participating in. Yeah. And now I want to talk about just general art trends and our opinions about them that we see out in the wild today. Put it all out on the table, baby. What are we tired of seeing and what do we want to see more of? Beige. (laughs) We're tired of beige. And I am here to argue that the beige of art TikTok is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the sketch and then the painted reveal of the final image. Yep. Yep. Hey, guess, guess, guess what, how, how you do that. You just use a, it's called a layer mask and, and you paint away the layer mask and it reveals what's underneath. It's <gasps> all it is. And for anybody who draws digitally, like you immediately know what that secret is, what that technique is. Yep. And the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, cool. And now I've seen about 750 of them. And everybody does them, and I get it. It's easy, and it's cool. And those two things together make content right at your fingertips. Yeah. Disney alts. A Disney alt is when you take an existing character... And make them goth. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) Even, like, the existing art that comes with the box, like the picture of Belle that comes to your brain, Mm -hmm. um, and you change it to have different hair or... a different eye shape or add tattoos, change the clothes, make it 
2020 chic. Yeah. Tiana, but a visco girl, you know? There's other versions of this where it's like gender swaps or really sexy versions of fill the Seder. <laughs> Acrylic pores. Yep. I'm tired of them. Yeah, there are a lot of them. They're beautiful. They're fun to watch. Andrew and I were, were geeking out about the ones that we've liked. But the thing is, everybody does acrylic pours is the problem. Even the YouTubers are starting to do them. I feel like acrylic pours are the equivalent of like Jackson Pollock, where it's like, oh, like splatter some paint on a piece of paper. Huzzah, I'm now an abstract artist. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it it, it doesn't. It doesn't last beyond watching it on my phone. Yeah. It's like candy. It's like, yes. You just, you see it, you're like, ooh, Pete's candy. Ooh, it tastes good. Nice. And you pop it in your mouth and you're just like, mmm. Then you move on. What else do I have on this list here? I think the thing that unifies all of these trends mm-hmm. is the speed at which you can produce them. Mm. And I think this is an important topic that is difficult to talk about as artists because we are so pressured to live online with our work and the the, the online algorithm encourages constant posting, encourages mm-hmm. us to be there all the time and to make things for it all the time. Um, yep. And so it necessitates that we make work quickly and there is a death of curiosity and a death of process and a death of patience Mm-hmm. When you feel that urgency all the time. Yeah. And for me, what's happened is that urgency has kind of killed my own momentum. Like, I haven't drawn anything for myself in a really long time. Um, I haven't finished anything for myself in a really long time. And there might be a multitude of reasons why that's happened. But I also am feeling a lot of pressure put on by myself mm-hmm. to, like, post things all the time. And I just shut down. I don't want to. And so I don't for months. Yeah. And maybe the frustrations that I have with all of these trends are tied to my own relationship with like constantly posting or not constantly posting because Mm -hmm. there's a bitterness I feel towards um, how inundated I feel by all of these pieces of content that were so easily produced. Mm -hmm. And by easy, I just mean time-based easy. I don't know. It's, It's a bigger conversation than... No, I, maybe it's worth having here, but I understand that, and I do. I do agree. I think. I think we could have an entire episode devoted to to talking about that. Mm. Um, but I also just want to. I mean, I know that you know this, but this is more for the people listening. When you see somebody posting these things and posting these trends and these gimmicks and doing them and doing these things that are quick to execute, um. And you look at it and you start to think, ah, oh, like, I can't do that. I'm too slow. Da, 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 da. Like, you're just holding yourself back. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everybody is different. Your, your way of existing as an artist on the internet doesn't need to be the same as the person who does the acrylic pores. Yeah. And I think when you start to work towards that, cause I'm still working towards that. I'm still trying to convince myself that I don't need to post as often as I think I need to. Um, and part of that comes from, you know, security within, you know, income part of that comes like your other life, you know, 
devotions and, and responsibilities. Like I know for me, one thing that I notice is I tend to not post very much when I am doing freelance work because I'm focused on my freelance work. I'm not yeah. necessarily focused on trying to sell my own work and, and put my own work out there. And I should be because that's going to be what pays the bills when I'm not doing the freelance work. <laughs> But there's also part of me that's like, no, I have my freelance work. I do it. And then I have my free time and my time that I'm not spending working on the freelance work. I want to spend in a worthwhile way. Yeah. So whether that's, you know, giving myself a break and watching some shows and doing absolutely nothing, or if that's, you know, hanging out with friends, maybe going on dates, whatever, all those things I think are super important to think about when it comes to getting in that loop of like, Oh, I don't post enough. Cause yeah, I, I, it's been several weeks since I posted anything of value to any of my social medias. Mine is Twitter, 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 Twitter is the just garbage pile of like, (laughs) I think I wrote something funny. Let me just throw it on this pile over here. Yep. And then we're making this show. I I don't know why I don't consider this show to be a part of the things that I make. Like when I immediately think of how productive I've been. Yeah. I, I, super, hmm. super productive, super productive. It's hours to put this thing together. And yet, because it's not something that I drew and you do a ton of work editing it. Yeah. And you do a great job doing that. Oh, thank you. Hopefully by the time this episode comes out, I, I don't know. I'll be in like a better headspace about everything. Cause I yeah. think this episode's going to come out after we've gone to Gen Con after mm-hmm. uh, a little more activity in, in the art world for me, at least mm-hmm. it's going to happen. And I think I, I might be feeling a lot more energized to be around a bunch of other visual artists. Yeah. So maybe I'll, so. I'll put a stake in the floor today and be like, this is the low point. But also don't do that. Cause you'll lose your deposit. Oh no. My apartment guy's gonna get mad at me. I'll do it. I'll fucking put a stake in the floor. It's fine. He's there's this building's got bugs. He's got other <laughs> issues. Yeah, I put a post in in the floor. This is my low point. Mm-hmm. It's only up from here, eh? Yeah. Gonna pick myself up by my bootstraps. You got I'm this. I'm gonna use them to paint something creative. Yeah. And plus, you're not doing it alone. You got, you got, you got your art friend. You made me cry again. You got your art friend. I'm like sensitive. <laughs> you're, ugh. Well, do you have an artist that you want to share this week? I do. And this artist, unlike all the previous artists that we've talked about, is, is actually a, 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 a long gone <laughs> artist. It's a dead guy. Yes, uh, he was prominent in the early 1900s, so he worked, I think his heyday was like the 1920s. What's his name? Um, J.C. Liondecker. Uh, and is. you can find a link to an image in the show notes, and we'll also be sharing his this one specific piece on um, on Twitter. But the reason I wanted to talk about J.C. Liondecker is because Liondecker, one, predates Norman Rockwell and actually is responsible for many of the icons that Rockwell eventually became known for because Rockwell was more outgoing and more sociable than Leindecker. Oh, they overlapped very briefly in their careers. Uh, Rockwell was very new 
while Leindecker was pretty established at that point. And they even had studios in the same building for a while and would wow like hang out and share, you know, a fine glass of whiskey after a good day's <laughs> work. Um, and, and part of the reason why Leindecker was on my mind this week was because I was watching this episode of Marvel's What If. And in the episode, I'm not going to spoil anything, but in the episode, there was a point where there was voiceover and they were showing what I'm assuming to be concept art for the show itself. And in the images, you can clearly see Line Decker's influence. Yeah, because you sure can. Line Decker has this way of painting where everything is made of these like crosshatched lines almost. And you can sometimes see the color underneath, and sometimes that's a base color, or sometimes that is the color of the paper. But Leindecker's, I could talk about Leindecker all day long, but the cool thing for me about Leindecker's style is that when you see reproductions of Leindecker's work for like the Saturday Evening Post, like actual like post covers, you don't see those lines in them. And part of me is like, did Leindecker know that the printing process of that time wouldn't pick those lines up, but it was faster for him to paint that way and more efficient. I hope that's the case. Work smart, not hard. Yeah. And, and line Decker too was um, known for having this specific mix of linseed oil and, and mineral spirits that made his oil paint dry really fast. And, and yeah, so it's really cool to me to see, a current popular thing being influenced by JC Leindecker. Yeah. Especially because I feel like Leindecker got a little bit cheated by not anything against Rockwell. I love Rockwell's work. It just so happens that Rockwell was more social and more outgoing than Leindecker. Mm-hmm. And Leindecker also he had the better social media presence really. Yeah. Also another factor that kind of affected that is that Leindecker um, nobody knows for sure, but it it's we are led to believe that Line Decker was um, a, a gay man in the 1920s. And that was something oh. that you couldn't be openly. And he lived with a quote unquote roommate that people thought was most likely his lover. Um, and his and that person also was one of his main models for many a painting. Um, so romantic. But I think that is that is a contributing factor to why Leindecker is not nearly as well known is because he kind of had to stay, you know, uh, like secluded. He couldn't be open about his private life and self. Yeah. 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 He's his work has always been my favorite ever since I learned about him. And like exactly what you said, his use of shape and cut like form and everything is so spot on. And you just look at it and you're just like, oh, I could eat this up. Like, it's so good. No, 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 no. Tweet at us at your art friends, just like doves did at Fluffy Dove Draws. A couple episodes back, I thought puce was uh, orange yellow color. And they said, hey, Beth, was the color you were thinking of chartreuse? I know I get it and puce mixed up a lot, too. And I said, yeah, it's good to know that I'm not the only one. But I want to know why so many folks have this lodged in their brains. And they said, I think it's because puce is so close to puke and chartreuse is kind of like a gross puke green. 
Plus, chartreuse is hard to remember in general, so it's got that working against it, too. Thanks, doves. Yeah. You can also send us an email at yourartfriendspod at gmail.com. You can find me at Beth B. Rad all over the internet. I also have a podcast called D&D&D. If you like old ladies who are... She's gross. She's gross <laughs> and old. And she hides candy in her flaps, you know. She has... d and d Now on every platform. And you can find me at Schmandruart everywhere on the internet. I uh, have playmats and prints and stuff on my website. You can check that out. Uh, my main social medias are Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can occasionally find me streaming on Twitch, but I don't have a schedule. Well, we've come to the end of the podcast. <laughs> sometimes we were serious and sometimes it was just tomfoolery. Shout out to famed 16th century court jester Tom Fool. Bow, bow, bow. But that's just what you get when two friends who met because of a shared love of making things and a bare ass hang out together. Yeah, that's us. Not, not that much tomfoolery, this one. Yeah, there was enough tomfoolery. You're being a... Th- no, no, I was being authentic and true. But we also, we were like an episode of Scrubs. We had a little bit of sincerity and a little bit of humor. How does Scrubs end? Uh, it's usually like a montage of stuff happening and then JD's like... And that's when we realized at the end of the day that you can't have, you know, just the sweet parts of life. You also had to have the sour parts of life. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Your Art Friends is a Park Media production. Our music is by Andrew Smith. You can listen to his music on Spotify and iTunes under the name Makeshift Radio. 